recording. This is live. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking to the people. Yeah. 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 Um, ladies and and gentlemen, I I hate to start off on a heavy note like this, but um, I have to report that uh, longtime friend of the pod, Earl Simmons, better known as rapper DMX has um passed on to Valhalla and um we just wanted to to recognize uh, first of all his talent and, and legacy just a number of great genre defining albums just record breaking along with uh, fantastic film appearances alongside uh, Jet Li um we also wanted to recognize our own responsibility for what has happened. Uh, as you know, we had DMX in the in the studio last week for our, our fifth episode extravaganza, and um, people had warned us of the hazards of having DMX come to do the podcast uh, in person during the COVID nineteen pandemic, and and also said that it was a bad idea for him to be officiating uh, my wedding which was on the same Friday. Um, and uh, we, we didn't listen. We, we threw caution to the wind. And, and um, another, another great artist has been claimed too soon. And so I would just ask all of our listeners now to join me for a moment of silence. Wakanda forever. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the Gravy Train podcast starring the Soldiers of Fortune. That's my friend Kyle and myself, yep. Sammy Flex. Um, Kyle, what's going on today? What's, what's the situation in the world? Well, obviously, we um, had the tragic passing of friend of the show, Earl Simmons, um, King Philip. Prince Prince Philip, uh, Prince Chief Philip. Chief Philip, President Philip's A- Admiral Admiral Philip, Command- Philip Commissar Prince, Philip's. Uh, he died as well. Um, but that's a, It's Blade's I mean, they've, they've just kind of been keeping him on ice for a good couple months yeah, now, he's haven't been, they? He's been iced up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how how long do you think the monarchy has got once Lizzie goes? Can't be long. Probably right? not. No, nah, because nobody really likes the rest of these people. No, nah. uh, outdated, outdated concept. Yeah. I'm, again, uh, again, you know, the, on the bright side, the, the end of the UK is is coming pretty soon, and probably the Commonwealth as well. And right. uh, so long, you know what? Yeah, they had their chance. They had their time. They had too long. They had their moment in the sun, and then some. I mean, come on. Right. Um, um, it's a funny one though. It's a little right. funny. It's, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe our British fans might be uh, upset with us. No, but, uh, nobody likes him. Yeah, nobody likes him, right? Uh, he he was a very funny uh, racist uh, aristocrat, though. As they say, he's a bit of a nonce, isn't he? Yeah, 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 didn't he? Yeah. But uh, I just really enjoy that that this is a man for whom the clock stopped just definitively in 1946, um, <laughs> and so you know he's just been going on ever since then. He uh, thinks you know, he's they're still in Burma, like yeah, just making making jokes about the the pygmies and the Mau Mau or whatever, you know, like yeah, just <laughs> you see you, you saw his one about the uh, the Cantonese, right? And, yeah, know, I did. Delivered it to like the World Wildlife Federation. 
Yeah. If it swims and it's not a submarine, they'll eat it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a good one. That's a zinger from... In like 1998. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, they do eat the turtles, though. Nobody else does that. I'd be interested to try. Uh, I don't know. Turtle... I feel like that's a Cajun thing. I feel like they eat turtle they down eat there. They eat frogs. They don't eat turtles. It feels like it's kind of in the same department to me. Where you know? do people eat turtles? Um, turtle meat, sea turtle meat is illegal in most parts of the world. <laughs> That's not a shocker to hear that one. <laughs> um, they eat it in the Cayman Islands, China, Singapore. Okay, is this specifically sea turtle that you're looking at, though? Um... Uh, that's sea turtle in the Cayman yeah. Islands. <laughs> yeah, I figured it probably was. In in China, it's just like the turtle soup. With the, uh, you know, the I feel like turtle cream. soup is not a uniquely... I feel like that's something I've heard of. It's yeah. not uniquely Chinese. Sounds Chinese turtle to me. Turtle soup recipe. <laughs> this, is, this is a thing. This is, this is, um... Oh, no, it says mostly Chinese. Now it's a turtle soup gained popularity in England in the 1750s, oh. but declined rapidly about 150 years later due to overfishing. <laughs> um, so, from from 1761 to 1825, it was never absent from the London Lord Mayor's Bay banquet. <laughs> Let's you go. Know. Green <clears throat> sea turtle first became popular in England as sea tortoise circa 1728. Quote. Its flesh is between that of veal and that of a lobster, and is extremely pleasant. They are frequently brought to England in tubs of seawater, and will keep alive a long time. Holy shit. Our rocks. In the United States, the common snapping turtle has long been the principal species used for turtle soup. No, you can't eat a snapping turtle. In Philadelphia and the Delaware Valley, snapper turtle soup has been an established part of Philadelphia cuisine. The famed soup, a seafood restaurant, Old Original Bookbinders, is known for its soups, including snapping right. turtle soup, a canned version of which is also sold in grocery no. stores. Listen, turtle I... soup is still served by a few restaurants in Minnesota, mostly on Fridays during Lent. Right, okay. <laughs> and it Listen, is a New Orleans face as a Creole thing. I've seen a. a... A good few snapping turtles all over my life. You know, we got the, the terrapins. And that's the closest thing I've seen to a dinosaur. Mm. I wouldn't need that. This is a good one. Hang on. One more turtle soup fact. Turtle soup was 27th U.S. President mm. William Howard Taft's favorite food. He brought a chef who specialized in the dish with him into the White House for the specific <laughs> purpose of preparing this soup. The Campbell Soup Company once sold a condensed canned turtle soup. No. Yeah, see, okay. I, I thought this this is not restricted to the Orient. Taft. He's a bit of a bastard. <laughs> yeah. He went into He was the, a, a big round fella. But he went into the presidency being like, oh, I'm gonna be just like Roosevelt was. And then you know no follow through. No follow through. Wasn't he um like the colonial governor of the Philippines? For a while after we rolled in there, I, I think that was kind Supreme of court guy. That's uh, Grover Cleveland, isn't it? No, Taft was on the Supreme Court. Oh, interesting. He was. Oh, or he was just a federal judge. I know yeah, he was a judge. No, okay, he was a judge. Uh, no, he was, he was the chief justice. So I remember okay. we went to the Supreme Court, and there was the there was a bust of uh, Taft. Oh uh, yeah. They're all kind of bastards in the Supreme Court, aren't they? There's been like four good ones ever. Yeah. yeah. Shout out Thurgood Marshall. Uh, Earl, Earl Warren. What'd he do? He was uh, kind of the one kind of progressive uh, one during like the 50s and 60s, a lot of the civil rights stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was it was um it was General MacArthur's dad is who I was thinking of who was the military governor of the Philippines, uh, Arthur MacArthur. 
I don't know why I was thinking about that in particular. Yeah. Oh no, William Howard Taft was the Governor General of the Philippines uh, from 1900 to 1902. Dang. Uh, he established the Philippine Supreme Court. Hmm. Apparently. So you know, a little bit of a little bit of imperialism. He's balling, balling yeah. on the budget. That'd be. I had a, a, a book. We had I had to do a little bit of reading on on colonial dominance in the Philippines. I took a class a while ago on like history of U.S. and in, in East Asia, and um, the first shots of the Philippine insurrection in like nineteen oh one or eighteen ninety, whenever that was. It was like late eighteen nineties, early nineteen hundreds right. after we had taken it from Spain. Uh, this one book at the beginning of the chapter about the Philippines, uh, it had a quote from the soldier who fired the first shot of the Philippine insurrection. And he was this British guy who had uh, moved, had immigrated, and he had been working, and he had like gone to Nebraska to, to take up farming and didn't like it. And so he joined the army and got sent to the Philippines. And he fired uh, the first shot, and he stood up, apparently, and, and yelled, Come on, lads, get up. These N-words are all out in the yard. <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was the rallying cry that started the Philippine insurrection. Oh, my God. Uh, just appropriate on so many levels. <laughs> how that went. I love the inability to distinguish between just different types of uh, brown people at the time, you know? Yeah. All fundamentally the same, I guess, if you're... <laughs> Just right. there to loot and pillage. Yeah. <clears throat> That's making me think of um, somebody was tweeting the other day about, uh, I don't remember what it was, it was some racist movie, and somebody else followed up with a bunch of screenshots from like the first uh, 30 minutes of Predator 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is just one film, of the more astonishing. Film that uh, we have partaken in. I cannot believe I sat and watched the whole thing because it's so damn long. It was like a two-hour-long movie. Uh, it, feel, yeah. it feels long. It feels long very long. Uh, it is. It's an hour and forty-eight minutes. It's close to that. That's close enough. Uh, they could they could have done it in forty-five? I think. Yeah. And, and it would have been about as interesting. You could have cut off the first half of the movie and it wouldn't have changed actually. So. Yeah, no, the first half of the movie was just to establish how scary uh, Latinos and Jamaicans are. <laughs> uh, the witch doctors and the, the drug runners. What do you think it was like to be in the in the writer's room, right? It's like, all right, boys, the name of the movie is Terminator, uh, not Terminator, Predator 2. <laughs> Predator 2. Uh, so what, what are we aiming to get across with this movie? That there's a hyper-advanced alien that is able to kill anything that it wants? All right, all right, good idea, but I let's start first. There's these Jamaicans, right, and, and these Colombians, and they're just running amok. The city is the city is in flames. It's, it's the crime is out of control. It's like nothing you've ever seen. It's just, you can't go outside. It's not safe. Gunfire, explosions. They're doing drugs, right? Right? Right. Of course. So we do this, and we establish that a predator. Okay, okay, hold that thought, right? <laughs> so, what, what if what if all the Colombians are getting coked up and they're just shooting indiscriminately? Cars are exploding, there's women and children out there, you know, news helicopters buzzing around, the police, they're helpless, they can't get control, the, the crime is out of control because of all these immigrants coming in, yeah? It, and the whole city, it's, it's like, uh, it's the apocalypse out there, it's like the end of the world, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Right, but this is an allegory for uh, the Predator. Oh, okay, okay, I like this predator idea. But then, what if these Jamaicans, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing blood rituals, right? And they're, they're, when they're taking, they're taking prisoners and, and they're, they're, cutting out, they're cutting out organs and they're doing these uh, Rastafari voodoo type, type rituals. They're cutting out the hearts and, and, and there's blood everywhere. It's a mess. And, and the lady, she's screaming. She's covered in blood. She had to witness the whole thing, right? And he's, He's got these uh these gold chains, yeah, right. They got a kind of gangster look, yeah, you know. Right, so we could have all this, but then Danny Glover. Still, right, yeah, that's a good one. I like Danny Glover. Yeah. Yes, to ascent assemble his team of... to take down these criminal gangs that are that are running amok and terrifying good middle class American patriots. You know, we're just trying to go about their daily lives. But this crime, it's out of control. At these liberals and all these welfare queens, you know, and, 
and, and, and it's, it's just violence in the streets and everybody's everybody's on drugs it's, everyone's overdosing and they're trying to get it they're taking it into the suburbs you know <laughs> right and then Danny Glover has to encounter the predator and has okay, okay. to do a battle with the predator uh, and eventually earn the respect of said predator in a mysterious mm -hmm. scene in a foggy spaceship that is for some reason filled with smoke underground um i like all that but um what if we got a scene where, where the leader of the jamaican gang is doing some <laughs> kind of voodoo ritual to try to tell the future yeah and, and then he's he's danny glover he's you know uh and, and they're riding around they're smoking uh they're smoking the devil's lettuce, right? And they've got these lowrider cars, and they're playing that that hip hop music. It's so loud and aggressive, yeah. You know, and they're on the bad. Danny Glover has to go, and and they're on the bad side of town. You know, you know what I mean? Okay, so I'm picking up what you're laying down. Is that Danny Glover has to clarify that he's one of the good ones? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that he could. Get his team to fight the predator. Okay, yeah, he can he can fight the predator. Yeah, but uh, at first they gotta take care of these Colombians, right? You know, this, at the beginning of the movie, these, these they've they've got uh they've got a room is just full of it's full of guns and cocaine, right? They're smuggling <laughs> all of this across the border. It's the border is wide open, and they're just coming right across. You know, of all of this stuff, they're trying to get it into our community and our communities. You know what I mean? You know, ah. Uh, my blood is boiling. Just think, just think of the audience reaction. You know, <laughs> this is what people. This is because nobody else is brave enough to talk about what all these, what all these immigrants and these minorities are doing to our communities. You know what I mean? Right. And then from there, the predator comes into play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> what if this predator? What if he's um? What if he's abusing food stamps? You know, okay, uh, I can get on board with that. What if he's uh, taking food stamps and selling them and using that money to buy uh, lottery tickets and, and, and malt liquor? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just, oh my god. Yeah, but if you haven't seen that movie and you want to kill like two hours with uh. just pure racist garbage, um, I would say go ahead. It is one of legitimately one of the worst movies it, I think I've ever seen. I There's very little that worse. compares to it. Um, I mean, we watched Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren, which was really bad. Um, it just wasn't that, as cartoonish as this, but it was close. Just very incoherent as well. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it was just like it was apartheid South African propaganda. Um. Which I didn't realize when I <laughs> downloaded it. Um, you know, I try not to do too much research on movies. I want to be surprised, but I, I didn't realize that it's uh, it was a movie about how the South African intervention in Namibia was actually uh, supposed to be a good thing. Yeah, um, that was just another movie that was way too long, incredibly obnoxious, had a horrible political message. You kind of um, you kind of start to realize when Stuff Lugger meets the Pigby guy. It's... <laughs> <laughs> wanders through the desert and becomes like one with the Kalahari, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, the only other movie I, I I've seen, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've seen some bad movies, but Predator Two is so up there. The only thing I've seen was actually last week. I was just desperate, just starved for content, and so I was just like on a, a torrent site, you know, just looking for something new. And, uh, you know, they just kind of had a new releases tab. And I downloaded this movie called Cosmic Sin. And it looked like a really cheap sci-fi movie, but Bruce Willis was in it. And so I thought, oh, well, I mean, this could at least be, you know, kind of funny. Because it's going to be Bruce Willis in a shitty movie, you know. Yeah. Um, I made it about 40 minutes in and just had to stop. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> it was just, it was just one of just, it was in incoherent plot horrible writing um just every cliche in the book it looked so cheap the sets were looked cheap the costumes looked cheap um 
And Bruce Willis in this movie, like, plays this, like, disgraced general who they, like, have to bring back to fight this, like, alien invasion or whatever. Um, and the whole movie, he just looks like he's asleep. Like, he's just <laughs> putting in no effort. He just does this gravelly voice. He just gives, like, basically yes or no answers whenever anyone talks to him. Just, you know, <laughs> clearly just doesn't want to be there. Uh, just collecting what could not what could not have been a very big paycheck. Um, just one of the oh my god horrific um I, my first half star review on a uh, letterboxd which i'm trying to to do more reviews on oh, yeah. um it's kind of fun i kind of like the, the yeah I've but you yeah, know that's astonishing somebody's got to pay my guy bruce willis uh, he hasn't done what's the last thing that he has actually done uh, not the dire is he in the expendable he's 66 stuff? years old i think he can stop acting now well, I mean, yeah, you probably could if you wanted to, but he apparently just keeps doing it. I don't know if he's bad at managing money, maybe, but... I bet he's probably doing okay. Yeah, but if he, if he is, then there's no reason he should be just degrading his brand by doing this stuff. They should get some more... I don't know. They, they still got to do a new Die Hard movie. Uh, <laughs> I want to see it. Um... Or uh, even you know, it's, they can cast. He doesn't need to be typecast. He was fun in in uh, in Moonrise Kingdom. He's in that one. Apparently, uh, there is. I'm on um, his IMDb right now. There is a Die Hard, I guess, spinoff film in works called McLean. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> so I should watch Die Hard again. When I'm done, when I finish finals, I'm gonna watch Die Hard again. It's been yeah, cool. it's a great movie. Yeah, but he's been in... Oh, I'm seeing this Cosmic Sin film you're talking about now. Holy it, shit. It's bad, man. It's just the most offensively bad movie I've ever seen. It makes Predator 2 look like a work of art just in terms of having a plot line. <laughs> you know? Um, just sucks, dude. Um, Whoever made that should just be like extra extrajudicial killing. You know, just like there's... <laughs> There's there's a certain point where you've made something that's just such an insult to cinema that yeah. you shouldn't be allowed to even come within a hundred feet of a camera for the rest of your life, just like restraining order. Right. <sighs> yeah, it seems Holy like Bruce has actually been doing a lot of stuff, a lot of not very good stuff. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying he keeps doing this shit, which makes me think he must be having some sort of money trouble. It's just like Nick Cage doing all of these garbage movies. Well, uh, that don't even get like TV commercials anymore. Apparently, so um, he was on an episode of The Orville, which uh, that sucks. Sorry that, to hear that. That is a shame. Sorry to hear that, Bruce. I watched a few episodes of that. That was uh, <laughs> okay. Nope. I just I just found this movie um, titled Airstrike from 2018. That's I such a lazy. It is a Chinese film starring Bruce Willis. Oh, wait, I think I saw somebody post about this on uh, Twitter. It was like a gif of like some sort of cable car. Like <laughs> Five different Chinese people fight their way through Japanese Air Force attacks to protect an important military machine in Chongqing, 1940. Oh, never mind. Yeah, we should watch this. This, this looks this, great. This has to be a watch. Yeah, this is going on the list. Get oh my god, list. just the cover of this yeah. looks great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's god. So that's so funny, man. Is uh that guy next to him in this poster doing like white face? Um maybe that's Adrian Brody. <laughs> oh. He looks a little off. He could me. be like half I don't know, like around. There's something that I, there's something disconcerting about the way he looks in For this. For all poster. the He's listeners just... of the podcast, you have to look up this poster. <laughs> to uh, play we'll, along. We'll put, on the we'll put it on the Twitter or something. No, we won't. We could. Um, uh we always say that we're gonna do that, and then we don't. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Um, it appears that he's just Hungarian, so that. Oh, so he's a Magyar. Okay, that yeah, explains. That it. explains it. Wow. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating zero percent, but five votes. One point eight star. <laughs> that's yeah, a watch. That's a good that's one. A watch. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, that's enough Bruce Willis. Um. 
a Chinese cinema. I don't know. I watched that. I don't know if I've already talked about it on the pod. I watched that movie 800 a while ago, Chinese war movie. Yeah. Uh, which was bigger budget. It wasn't bad. I wasn't blown away by it, but certainly a great scale of the thing. Mm. Uh, but just just the one scene where like guys are like just lining up to strap uh, suicide vests around themselves and jump out the window to blow up the Japanese. I'm like, all right, wow. You know? <laughs> yeah. A, or, or there's a whole like sequence where they're just like fighting to hold this flag in the air and this Japanese plane is like swooping in and machine gunning them and the more guys come to hold up the flag. It's just like over the top national stuff. I mean, we do the same shit. Yeah, like I just don't watch those movies in when the U.S. makes them. I guess, mm-hmm. um, but uh, kind of entertaining at least. Oh, um, in my film class, um, <laughs> I uh, our teacher was talking about um, asking us like what movies that we actually found the most profound, like what movies you believe had the most like impact on you or whatever, mm-hmm. and not necessarily like impact like affecting your life, but like got the most emotion so um i said come and see because that that's yeah, not yeah. an honest answer <laughs> and and she maybe talk about it and i think now my film teacher is going to watch come and see at some point so that's kind of funny she should she should <laughs> everyone should you know yeah americans have um very little appreciation of, of, of soviet cinema oh yeah you know what i like it, there's this hand-waved idea that you know oh the Russians have no aesthetic, uh, you know, which is just an insane misreading of history. Yeah, you know, say what you will about Russia, even if it, even in its darkest political periods, you know, so people who've produced monumental works of art, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like Sergei Eisenstein, you know, just like one of the original greats who just pioneered so many techniques in film. I talk about the battleship Potemkin whenever I can. <laughs> yes. We need more. We we should make our own Battleship Potemkin. Um, yeah. Uh, we should do a, re- a reboot. Uh, the the Battleship Potemkin cinematic universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think I think that'd be good. Uh, uh, I want to watch Tarkovsky. I've never seen any movies by Tarkovsky, I've, but everyone does. Actually, this. Uh, this I remember in my freshman year art class, we were talking about you know how art can be like anything and, um. We're talking about Malevich's uh, Black Square, if you're familiar mm. with it. Yes. And everybody, because it's a bunch of retard, like, 14-year-olds or whatever, they were all that sitting there art. ripping it apart, thinking they're geniuses. And I was like, um, you know, when you think about the context of it, it's most definitely art, you know? Because mm. it's... It was really shitty being in the Russian Empire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's a context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing that gets me from this that period of like early modern art is just like um, I can't stand that one stupid urinal with the guy's name on it. Yeah, that's not making a statement about shit. Yeah, fuck you, uh, Kazimir Malevich. If you want to come on the podcast, um, you're welcome. Friend of the pod, Kazimir Malevich. Yeah. So. <laughs> Long time listener. Yeah. Long time supporter. <laughs> happy to have. Happy to count among our, our, our friends. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> what uh, is up? What is up? What else are we going to talk about? Oriole's still hot. Yes. Uh, sort of. Kind of. Top, top in the AL East. Yeah. Um. Number one. Sort of. <laughs> Number one in the AL East. Kinda. Overtime win against the Yankees. Um, Ready yeah. to come back yeah, out and, and batter the Red Sox. Oh man, that uh, Santander out at the end of that one was like so. I, yeah. I like our guys. That made me I smile. Like, that made me happy. Like our man uh, Cedric Mullins so red hot at the plate. You know, yeah. uh, I like our guys. Um, yeah, it's a good. T- we got we got a little more depth uh, than than we bargained for on the mound too. You know, we not we've got like uh, yeah, yeah. It's not just John Means. Um, I'm, Zimmerman I'm, is okay. Yeah, I I think he's trending in the right direction. Um, 
The other guys, all their closers look like crap. Um, we got more than one pitcher. This is my, uh, this is my, <laughs> my basic, uh, I think Bruce Zimmerman is 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 a good one. I think I think you know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, I guess being four and three after seven games is a a bit better than I expected. Yeah, you know. I mean, come on, two of those are against the Yankees. Yeah, those barely count. It's just going to happen. Yeah, I guess. No need. To, <laughs> no need to worry. We World Series, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, it's happening. I'm manifesting it. <laughs> yeah, we just got to get more energy. No, we got we got the energy. Just when when I get back when I get back down the the Baltimore County this summer, uh, we're going to Camden Yards. Yeah, we're getting some tickets. We're going down. I would I would do that. That would be fun. We could go to the aquarium. Mm-hmm. We could go watch the birds. Yeah, we can see all. We can see the Torsk and the constellation. Okay, and well, Roger B. Tawny. We, we could look at those maybe. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, we, we don't. We don't have time to go on all of them. But <laughs> we, can, we can see them there in the harbor. You know, that's always. Ah, we can do all the stuff I'll... we talked about. Maybe we should make a a documentary for for all of the fans. You know, uh, <laughs> Sam and Kyle go to Baltimore's Inner Harbor. Yeah, yeah. Gravy train at Camden Yards. Yep. Now we're going down to Charm City this summer. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I was um, driving home today from school and Uh um, it was raining a bit. So I had my my windshield wipers going, right? Yeah. I wasn't actually getting the water off. It was just making it so I couldn't see. <laughs> yeah, that's what that car does. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I have the uh, wiper blades to replace it. I just never done it. That's my story for today. In case um, guys are listeners are wondering what I'm up to. Everybody wants to uh, donate to the pod to replace the uh, wiper blades on Kyle's car. Yeah. If anybody, actually, if you just mailed, um, I will be dropping my address uh, throughout the episode. Just... Going to use a, a cipher and, and a series of hidden clues. Yeah, and um, then you can just mail wiper blades to, um, you know, my address. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> That's that. You're vaxxed up. You're vaxxed up I am. now, right? I guess I should talk about that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I went to the, to the great Timonium Fairgrounds, and mm-hmm. I received the vaccine from our tremendous Maryland National Guard. Oh. Yeah. You got to get it from our, our brave boys in green. Yeah, a National Guard medic uh, administered the vaccine for me. Nice, and and all you had to do was sign enlistment papers. Yeah, uh, and then I stood up, gave him a salute, got into the parade stance, and uh, marched <laughs> to where you have to sit for fifteen minutes. Went over and signed uh, paperwork on a Dodge Charger. And- <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't, you know, I can't really care that much about the the National Guard or whatever. You know, yeah, it's fine. I'm just fucking around. If you yeah, got mine last week, um, around Wednesday. Yeah. It's one of the couple things I got from my school this year. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that and they, they gave us all uh, custom stickers and they had a special um, uh, selfie wall uh, with uh, one of those like uh, screens, like photo background that you could pose right. in front of, like in the like in like the monitoring area. And it's just like, I'm not going to go over and take a selfie uh, in front of everyone like what the hell yeah um, but yeah you know it's cruise right through i'm now immune to i presume pretty much every disease yeah. um i'm just gonna go and start drinking pond water i think i'm gonna go swim in the hudson you know um but came away i'm feeling pretty good uh, i got my shot uh i really like trains now um i 
can't seem to stop thinking about sucking and fucking other dudes. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting great 5G reception. <laughs> and uh, I'm not even mad about being infertile. So, you know what? Everybody get that shot when you can get it, you know? I was going to say, um, it appears to have reverse effects on me, because I'm actually not gay anymore, so. Damn. Well, maybe when I get my second, maybe maybe it's the second shot, you know, turns everybody around again, right? Right, and then uh, the second one will probably make me trans or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Nice. And then you'll, then you'll be able to make hyperpop, so it's a win-win. Oh, yeah. You'll get oh, win-win. yeah. You'll get way better at producing this podcast, probably. Yeah, probably. I think I think it just makes you better at using audio editing software. Yeah. <clears throat> it feels good though. It, it, it legitimately uh, glad to have gotten that squared away. Um, pandemic is now over, and uh, I will not just be going without a mask. I'll be walking around fully naked in the streets of New York. <laughs> Uh, from from now until the the day I I leave, um, I can't wait to... till I can return to Charm City. That's right, unmasked. Go to the jellyfish section of go, the go to the jellyfish zone. Watch visit, the birds. Visit the interactive black tip reef exhibit. Yeah. See. <sighs> Everything I've ever wanted to visit the uh, Barnes and Noble at the power plant, which I that's probably shut down now. Isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Put out of business. Um, visit. Um, I know there's like uh, five guys by the uh, by the Ripley's. <laughs> Believe it or not, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know. <laughs> Hello, running out of running out of Baltimore attractions. Uh, what have we not talked about? That's the BNO Railroad Museum uh, over in uh, over in Pigtown. That's um, that place is it is killer. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about every other every other thing in the, the Baltimore Museum of Industry at Sparrows Point. Love love going to Spares Point. There's nothing more I love than a good old visit to Spares Point. Um, <laughs> the only thing uh, I love more than going uh, to Spares Point is going to Lansdowne. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've been you've been getting back into uh, athletic competition these days, yeah? Yeah, to a degree, yeah. How's how's that how's that treat you? Know, you're you're back on the five k, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, could be doing better, but you know, is what it is. How are those mile split numbers looking? Where are you where are you ranking in the state of Maryland? Oh, on the I don't. 5K? I don't know. I haven't gotten any better, so. <laughs> I I broke into like the top hundred for a little while. Yeah, I think. that's not What's... happening to me. No, oh, no, you still got you still got time. Who knows? Big breakout season, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. The key is that you just gotta, you know, you you get good enough, and then and then they start trying to find ways. They find a fl- a real flat course for you. So for me, you know, I mean, that happened to me at one like I, I've run like a eighteen forty five on a flat course, but oh, you. Um, You've still got you've got a full year. You're gonna get under eighteen. You can do it. Maybe. No, no, for real, for real. Like, I did what three years, and for the first two, I never broke eighteen twenty. Like, I, I I did like eighteen twenty in like my third race at like fucking uh, Delaney or whatever because it's pretty. It was pretty flat. It is flat. Yeah. Now. Uh, and then I never approached that again for a long while until like senior year at like seventeen fifty or something, and then coach is like. Sam, we got to get you down Richmond, Virginia. They got the flattest course you've ever seen, you know? So he, he drove down there, you know, for a weekend of intense preparation. And, and, and he wasn't kidding. I went out there. It's, it's like a, I was like a hound dog chasing, chasing a pork chop, you know? Was, 
I was blister. My my feet was 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 bleeding in in my shoes. I was running so so damn fast that I finished seventeen twelve. My, my all time best. That I never approached again afterwards. That's really good though. I'm pretty pleased with it. Uh, Drew Drew was faster. I think um not so. Yeah, no, Drew broke seventeen. I think, but um. Uh, yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, he was a quicker lad than I. But you guys are both taller than me, so I think that yeah, it, I, it some advantage. I have a feeling that like I was just kind of like naturally meant to be, um, what's the word, fat. And uh, every day that I continue to exercise, I'm kind of like disobeying like natural order and, and God. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I you don't have a fat build. I, I have know. a very hard time imagining that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're you're just bigger. I mean, you're physically bigger than than, than me and Drew are. I think. Well, you're really you were meant for for bare knuckle boxing and the like. <laughs> right, right. It was the 1800s. You know, uh, you'd be missing three teeth, but you'd be you'd be raking in so much money. Uh, yeah, like eighteen dollars. Uh, yeah, which back then was significant. You could probably uh, buy a horse and carriage for that. You know. Um, just, just take down at the docks, uh, I guess, in Baltimore Harbor, fighting some swarthy Italian sailor. You know, uh, who's yeah. just in the port, you know, and uh, leaving him, leaving him dead in in, in some like uh, stable or wherever they did bare knuckle boxing. You know, <laughs> like you, you just like hit him with a haymaker. He he falls over, blood gushing from his mouth. Uh, knocks over an oil lantern, which sets a pile of straw on fire. And then uh, the entire like east side of the city is just burned to burned to ash. Uh, <laughs> and what follows then is a pogrom targeting uh, Italian immigrants who uh, right. are blamed for blamed for the fire because they're uh, I don't know the wrong type of Catholic or something. I, I don't know, but something like that. <laughs> yeah, a better, simpler time. Yep, I'm just uh... I don't know. Isn't it always crazy when you see like pictures of like boxers and and wrestlers and other strong type guys from like the early nineteen hundred like eighteen hundreds early nineteen hundreds like back I guess early photography kind of stuff how like their entire musculature is so different from how we yeah. perceive a strong guy um, and I guess today it's kind of like uh, construction workers are kind of like that too yeah it's not like a chiseled muscular build you know but it's like strong it's like a very kind of long twitch muscle i guess right i don't know um that's how it used to be i think part of it is also just a diet thing like we just get so much more protein and stuff now um, yeah you know yeah, like it's crazy how how poor nutrition used to be like i was um reading a thing earlier today about how like Back in like the colonial days or whatever, like colleges in the U.S., it was just like not at all the way universities are today. So it's like people would send like ten-year-olds to Harvard, just like if they were rich, and just like treat it like a boarding school. Uh, and so you would have like a mix of like ten-year-old kids learning at Harvard, and then like you know thirty whatever like grown men, you know, and and you really didn't have there weren't any real qualifications involved in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so somebody posted like what the daily routine was like and it's like you wake up at seven you wake up at 7 a.m uh you spend an hour an hour and a half doing morning prayer and then you have um like i think it's called there was some other word for breakfast it's like brecker or something um <laughs> because it's not a full breakfast because it was just a uh, beer and bread ah. um right yeah. And then at 11 a.m., you and then you would go to class. Now it was called Bever. It was or Bever or Beaver. Uh, I don't know. Um, you would have that. You'd have a small meal of beer and bread, and you'd go to class for three hours. Uh, and then at 11 a.m., you would have dinner, which was the only uh, real hot meal of the day. Um, and then you would have three hours of study. And then you would have another three hours where you would meet privately with your professors. Then at 5 p.m. you would have the afternoon beaver or bever. So again, beer and bread. Uh, then you would have another 90 minutes of prayer. 
uh, one hour of recreation, and then at 9 p.m. you retired to your rooms and lamps out for underclassmen. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I love spending a full three hours of my day praying. So you just sit around praying and drinking beer and eating bread? Kind of. I mean, yeah. You, and then you spend like six hours in the middle uh, just listening to some guy just speaking Greek and you probably can't understand any of it. <laughs> uh, just because education back then was so different. It's just like you learned Greek just because like, well, smart people know Greek. So, yeah. you know, it's just uh, but I'm just saying, like, two meals out of your day are just, like, a chunk of bread and a mug of beer. It's just, like, I'm just thinking of how hungry you would feel all the time, you know? But I guess that's why everyone was, like, 5'1 and weighed, like, 86 pounds back then. Right. Yeah. God. <laughs> but it's the 11 a.m. thing being called dinner is also what really fucks with me. <laughs> <laughs> I that hate is, that. So it much. is fucked. That's that is that is fucked. Colonial sickos having dinner before noon. <laughs> uh. We have um I feel like we had something that we were talking about before we were recording that we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna talk about that. A couple things. Uh back on uh, do you want should we go back to baseball? Because I've got the, the weird baseball rules I was reading. Ah, uh, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. So I've, I've been doing doing research um, and I've I learned yeah, you know, since I've been getting some of this baseball season, I've been getting so excited and following our birds, you know. Um, and so I learned about the origin of the, of the rules of, of, of America's game. And uh, it's not what you'd expect. Um, so, you know, it was really the early 1800s is when the whole thing emerged and became popular. And, and back then, it was an entirely different set of expectations. Uh, there were no gloves. Nobody had gloves. Um, the, the pitcher, you couldn't strike people out at first. The pitcher was really meant to just put the ball in play. You know, you're just supposed to put it over the plate so the batter can hit it. Right. Um, of course. You know, exactly. It wasn't really, that wasn't a competitive position, you know? Um, and so, like, back in 1845, they wrote the New York-style rules of baseball, uh, which, which evolved into the modern rules, you know. The, the rival was the Massachusetts-style, which I know nothing about. Um, but the first what? game was played in 1845, right? I feel like I need, <laughs> I need to look, at least look up the Massachusetts-style. Look that up so then you can tell us about that in a minute. Right. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't until 1858, so 13 years in, that they introduced the called strike, because previously the only way you could strike out at the plate was to swing and miss three times. <laughs> like, otherwise you could just stand there all day watching at the balls going past you, and nothing would happen. Um, and it wasn't until another 21 years later, no, but it wasn't until 1879 that they introduced a limit of nine balls <laughs> before you, you got walked. Uh, so just if somebody just cannot even throw the ball to home plate, I guess, is the only time you're really going to be walking. Um, but really the best part of all of this is that during this entire period, pitchers were throwing underhand. <laughs> it was not until 1884 that overhand pitching was allowed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Insane insane to me <laughs> uh, you know and then the other fun part too is like uh when a guy would hit it i guess just because it was so hard to catch without gloves because everyone was just trying to make open hand catches um if you caught a fly ball after a bounce that was still an out um <laughs> but it was true in the infield as well like if a ball like if, if they're hitting a grounder it's bounced once you, you get that he's out it's done yeah like, Incredibly funny. Um, they didn't introduce gloves until the 1890s. But in the midst of this, it was 1867 when the first curveball in modern professional baseball was thrown by a, by a hero named William Candy Cummings. Played for the, uh, played for the Brooklyn Excelsiors. Um, and they were playing against Harvard College in Cambridge, Cambridge, Massachusetts back in 1867. And he had been perfecting a secret pitch where the ball would, would curve just as it was reaching the plate. 
You know, no one had really ever attempted anything like that. Yeah, because there's no point. Why would the pitcher not want him to hit the ball? Not his job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just supposed to hit the ball. Come on. Um, but yeah, when when Archibald Bush of Harvard stepped up to the plate, a man a man known as a real slugger who could who could <laughs> hit it, you couldn't really swing for the fences back then. Apparently, the field was like so big that you basically couldn't hit a ball out of bounds. Uh, it's just like an absurdly huge. Things so all home runs were in the park. Um, but yeah, he stepped up to the plate, and and Candy decided he needed to to try to strike him out, and so he throwing underhanded, managed to throw a curve a ball which which seemed to curve as it reached the plate. Like the, the audience was astounded, the batter couldn't believe it. You know, <laughs> he was able to strike him out. Uh, they still lost the game apparently. Yeah. Uh, now there, there, now there is a challenge to this because uh, Fred McSweeney of the New York Mutuals uh, claims to have thrown the first uh, curveball a full year later in 1868. He claims to have been the inventor of it and says that, that Candy Cummings had, had not actually pitched a curveball uh, against against Harvard. Mm, okay, so there's Baseball history. You know, there's there's a lot. There's a couple different guys who all claim to have invented the curveball around the same time. I think probably a lot of guys had the same idea, to be honest. I think probably a lot of them are kind of all partially true. It's just one of them did it first, you know? Right. you find anything about the Massachusetts uh, style? I did, I did. Okay, so so those who are curious about the Massachusetts style, well, let me tell you something. It's, um, from what I gather, it's a much more open style of play. There's a, it's a lot more you can do within the rules. So the field has four bases. Oh, God. The fourth base was called home. But the striker stood midway between fourth and first base. So I guess the field is a square. Yeah. You hit the ball in between fourth and first. Um, huh. The fielders were allowed to put a runner out by hitting, hitting him with a thrown ball, so like pegging or whatever you call it. Um. There was no foul territory, and base runners were not required to stay within the baselines. So this means... <laughs> you just run wherever you want? You could run wherever you want as long as you get to the base. Um, so, uh, again, the ball could not be thrown overhand as well. Um, They're really into that back then. Yeah. Uh, and it could be caught on a bounce again <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, basically, it's Kind of just like, I don't know. It feels like it would be really difficult for the fielders, <laughs> given that they could just run wherever they want. Yeah, I, I, I guess you have to kind of box them in. Yeah. Attack about, you know? But then, then again, they also have to go to four bases, so. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> is, is, can you still throw a guy out, like... Um, if you can still throw a guy out, then it's not that much of an advantage if they have to run. It's, all it says is fielders were allowed to put a runner out by hitting him with a thrown ball. Okay, okay. So, oh wow. So you just gotta peg the guy on the run. I, I guess. I think that's the rule. That sounds violent. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the field is a square. <laughs> I found a, 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 a picture. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> or <laughs> the striker. Uh, yeah, it's not called a batter. Um, I like what on these uniforms here, all the caps look like Civil War hats. Yeah. Yeah, so that's baseball. Um, Awesome. Somebody should create a league that plays Massachusetts style. <laughs> Apparently it was a favorite game of Civil War soldiers. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard this before. I, I didn't know that the Massachusetts style, though, was the, the favorite. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Just wait until yeah. I come out with the Baltimore style. <laughs> Baltimore style. Hell yeah. That'd be, that'd be great. See anything else from the wide world of sports? Oh, we gotta talk about our man, uh, Broadway Sam Sam Darnold, uh, 
going down <laughs> to Carolina. Yes, sir. The Darnold. Gotta believe in the energy. Out of New York, indefinitely. <laughs> QB1, baby. Maybe. I don't know. No, he is. He is. He's QB1. I don't know if he's better than Bridgewater. Than Lion Ted. Uh, apparently, apparently they're trying to trade him. Oh. Uh, That's at least the, the rumors are they're letting him talk the team and they want to ship him off. They're draining the swamp, get rid of Lion Ted, bring it in, bring it in the Darnold. Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're going to bench terrible Teddy so they can get Sam Darnold back. <laughs> I don't know. I hope he does well. Yeah, he's gonna make Carolina <laughs> great again. Yeah, I feel like he's. Uh, I'm. I'm worried it just might be a little too late for him because I. I. You know, people. He's make 23 lives. years old. I know, but he's been poisoned by what three years on the Jets? Something like that. I think it's. I think it's enough time to ruin a man. You know, I think. Uh, I think his confidence is shot. You know, it's psychological damage that's been inflicted by Adam Gase. Um, it's not easy to come back from the stuff you've seen on that field, you know? Yeah. Or the stuff but, he hasn't seen, I suppose, as well. Any sort of success, so. But, mm-hmm. uh, they, they freed my man, and, and now the possibilities are endless, you know? Oh, yeah. Be on the lookout, folks. Yeah. Tom Brady's quaking in his boots. Shady now. Brady. Yeah, Shady Brady now knows that, that, that Sam Darnold is following him to the NFC yeah. to, prove his, to prove his superiority. He had to leave the AFC North because he didn't want to have to play the Darnold twice. And the Darnold wasn't letting him get away. No escape. No escape. He's not letting Brady Gate go under the, under the bridge. It's, it, he's going to reveal it all. Deflate gate ain't going away. <laughs> right. Real, real Baltimore fans remember. Bastards. Uh, uh, anything else happening in the NFL world? You, you think the Ravens are going to sign AB? I don't really want us to. Uh, me neither. Didn't he really... wouldn't anyway. We're not going to. He, he complains everywhere he goes about not getting enough targets. He's not getting any fucking targets on the Ravens. Yeah. Unless, unless AB wants to get really passionate about blocking. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, we love sports, folks. This is a sports podcast. Yeah, primarily. This is a, this is a sports, sports, uh, cinema, and, 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 uh, and romance. <laughs> I was gonna say it'd be pretty generous to call this any kind of comedy. Yeah, no, this is about um, this is a self-help podcast. Yeah, this is about taking control. First of all, life. if you call yourself a comedian, you're probably not. Yeah, I mean, if you call yourself a comedian, you probably just want to kill yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> so, probably just DMing fifteen-year-old girls, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kind of the lowest thing you can do. I guess besides skimming a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it it's worse, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> We've been over this. <laughs> <laughs> One day. That, that episode is coming. That bit is it's a very... Uh, it takes very a lot. Helpful. takes a lot out of a man. <laughs> Takes fortitude <laughs> to get through the Chris Cuomo pedophile interview bit. <laughs> Coming up on an hour now. Um, fifty-eight minutes, thirty-three yeah. seconds, thirty-five seconds. Um, I'm pretty about done for the night. I, I I'm. Out of ideas, I think. I don't got nothing else to say to y'all. Yeah, we uh, not not every not every episode can be a fifth episode extravaganza, folks. No, the fifth episode is a special one. That's a good one, but uh, just watch because that uh, tenth episode extravaganza, <laughs> uh, 
that's gonna be one one for the history books. People are gonna be talking about that one for a long, long time. I I do have to note. Um, I hope that the viewers have noticed that I fixed the thing. I think I fixed the thing where I shouldn't be much louder than Sam anymore. Um, and also, I do plan on getting a microphone for the next episode. So you'll just have to tune in to see if I do. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've I've been I've been consulting uh, with with the audience. Uh, we may have new round of, of guest speakers coming on. You know, we might cycle cycle folks through. You know, uh, get in touch if you got you got something something funny you want to talk about. You know that that fits with 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 the demanding standards of excellence that we have here at the Gravy Train Podcast, starring the Soldiers of Fortune. Uh, get in contact. You know. You know where to find us. If you think that you can be a soldier of fortune. Yeah. If you want to be a yeah, if you want to be a soldier of fortune, a mercenary for a day here on the gravy train. Um well walk a day in my shoes. Let me tell you, Sonny, uh you if you're coming to play ball, you uh better bring a glove. (laughs) (laughs) But uh yeah, talk Talk to it. Talk at us. Uh, yeah, you know we we be listening. That's right. We be the, we be hearing the heartbeat of the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, signing off for the Gravy Train podcast. This is uh, your man, Sammy Flex. And uh, I'm Kyle. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs>